Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. I'm Claire Bradley and I'm thrilled to have you back to Faith on Fire. This week has been absolutely insane. Um, with the election here and regular school and work, it's it's been a lot and it's only Wednesday. So for now, while you listen, take a break, take a few breaths and try to relax. Um, I'm going to start today with answering a few questions I received, and then I'm going to jump into our main topic. So uh, I put a question and answer thing on my Instagram. Um, I know some of you don't know me personally, but for those of you who do, I thought it would be a good way to see what you want to know. Once again, I am always open to new ideas, and if any questions come to mind or if anyone needs clarification please text me or just let me know and i'd really be happy to um just like talk about it here so uh i didn't receive that many questions which will make it a little easier for us here today but the first one i wanted to address was about my experience in the church which um i was kind of glad someone brought this up because for me i don't know what it's like to not be religious or not go to church I've been raised that way. I've done it since I was a baby. Um, Literally, like, I think, like, probably a week or so or whatever, however long (laughs) after I was born, um, my mom took me to church. So I've been going my entire life. And um, I don't really, um, I try to think about what it's like to not have that, but um, I don't know what it's like. So I'll never be able to really relate to that. But, the question was, am I forced to go to church by my parents or do I have a, ch- a choice? Um, and I kind of like this question because it is true. Technically, I am forced to go to church. My parents would never let me miss a weekend of mass unless we are seriously sick, which is very rare. So honestly, the answer to that is yes, but it's kind of cool because um, even though I was forced, you know, as a little girl and sometimes it could get so boring and I would not understand it, now I really enjoy going to church and I look forward to it. I mean, I um, I love, um, I actually work at my church too, so I like the community there. Um, all the people that go to church are so kind and um, I really always have like, I always like talk with good conversations. My priest is really great and really nice. Um, and I feel like when I'm strengthening my relationship with God, I feel really good. I think that if I worship God and I go to Mass and I obey His commandments, then I'm being the best person I can be. And that's that's a really great feeling. And um, when I when I go to church, I, I just always love it. I never have had um, like a really horrible experience. I know some people have, but um, I, I always really like it. So... To answer that, I I am forced, but after a while, I start to, like, choose to go. Now, um, if I, like, if my parents were like, okay, it's your choice now, I would still choose to go. I would still want to keep going and keep um, learning about my faith and growing in it because it kind of makes me who I am today, and um, it just helps me to keep growing to be a better person. Um, and I'm not here to force anyone else to go to church. And in fact, I know some people that have had really bad experiences, um, but I would never say to give up on it. I would never say that because I think that um, for some people, it depends on um, the church that you're going to or the certain priest or maybe like one person didn't have a good day and then they just weren't that nice to you. But 
um, we're all people, so sometimes, you know, a priest might not have the best homily one day, but that doesn't mean that it's always like that, you know, people, um, people can have different experiences, good or bad, in different places, and, you know, depending on just different days in general. And um, sometimes, like I like I said, it takes a certain church or a certain priest that you feel good about. And I would recommend, um, if you're not going to church, um, to maybe just like one weekend, if you have time, just give it a shot. Um, just to see what it's like. There's really no pressure at all. You don't need to know the responses. You don't need to know, you know, exactly what to do for communion or anything. You can stay in your seat if you want to. Um, or you can go up and get a blessing, but I would just kind of recommend to go and see what it's like if you've like never experienced that before, because um, in my life, it's it's one of the best things in my life. So, um, and again, if you're not ready if, uh, for that step, find other ways to incorporate God in your life. Like I like to say, reevaluating yourself um, and just kind of like looking on ways that you can become a better person and stronger in your faith. So the second question I received was about how churches are dealing with everything during the um, pandemic and during COVID in general. So since everything began to shut down in like March, maybe um, maybe church was a little bit later, um, but I think it was about mid-March, late March, um, no one was allowed to attend in person at churches. Everything was shut down. We were all in quarantine and... Um, every one every i think every church in the state was shut down but um we were still able to watch because it was live streamed on facebook or youtube um i think the saint paul's one which is my church they have it on facebook weekly they still do it um for those who can't attend and right now in church we're social distancing we have um you have to wear a mask of course that's required um, so we try to, um, obviously space everyone out as much as possible, but we're just taking, um, all the precautions that we can to keep everyone safe. Um, and as Catholics, we believe that in ordinary times, uh, when there's no pandemic, we should all be practicing Catholics, meaning going every Sunday morning or Saturday evening. And, um, since we couldn't go to mass, uh, the past like few months, uh, the bishop, gave dispensation, which means that we do not have to go to Mass. It is, it's not a requirement right now, but it is still important to not lose your faith and to remember that um, God is always there. So, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that watch it still online. I know people that go in person now, um, but I, I unfortunately, I know people that have just stopped um, going or listening altogether, but I think that it's, it's not as big as a... Um, I don't know, like a hassle as people think. I mean, it's 45 minutes of your morning and it's it's really good. I mean, it's it helps you to be a stronger and better person. Um, so along with this question, someone asked if I think others will join back after being distanced for so long. And honestly, I cannot tell you the exact answer to that. I really hope so because church is such a great part of my life and it can seem inconvenient at times, like I was saying, but in reality, my faith is the most important thing in my life. And I think that all Catholics are all practicing strong Catholics know that um, we're supposed to put God above everything else. So that means that if you have baseball practice on a Sunday morning, it's hard, but you just need to find a way to go to church. Maybe go Saturday night or um, go to an earlier mass. You know, there's always ways that you can work around it. Um, 
and different churches have different times too. I know at St. Paul's we do 4.30 on Sundays, then we have an 8 a.m. and 9.30 and an 11.30 mass on um, Sunday mornings. But I know like, uh, I forget exactly what church it is, but one church has like a Sunday night mass that I went to once. So um, that can work, you know, just always trying to put God first is very important. Um, and once again, I think that it's important, it's so important in my life and it's important to continue practicing my faith. And I would hope that other Catholics or Christians feel the same um, because it's, like I said, you know, we should always be putting that first. So those are the questions I'm just gonna answer for today. And I'm just gonna jump into our topic. I'm, it's gonna be a little bit shorter today, I think, but today I'm gonna talk about hell. And I briefly discussed hell and heaven and a little bit of purgatory, I think. Um, but I think for the next few episodes, maybe, I mean, I'm not exactly sure if I'll do this, but I might do like a three-part thing, um, a three-part episode, um, like on hell, heaven, and purgatory. Um, cause they're like one of the main things in our faith that we always definitely need to be aware of. So, um, to start with, I'm just going to start talking off about sins in general. So, there are two different types of sins. Uh, one is venial sin and one is mortal sins. So venial sins are um, like smaller sins that um, they're things that you still should not be doing, but um, they're not as damaging to your relationship with God as mortal sins. And mortal sins are more of um, like really strong acts going against God that a lot of times it's mortal if you know it's wrong but you keep doing something that's sinful Um, and in the Catholic Church we have 10 commandments that we follow like they're like 10 basic rules of um, right and wrong you know it's things like thou shall not kill um, uh, I'm trying to think like do not cover covet thy neighbor's wife. Do not cover thy covet thy neighbor's goods. Um, you know, respecting your parents. Uh, no other god should go before the god. You know, nothing should go before him. Do not worship other gods before God. Um, you know, it's just basic things like that. You can always look up the Ten Commandments. They're pretty much everywhere, or you can always find them. But. Um, Okay, sorry, I'm doing something on my computer right now. Uh, But once again, like the Ten Commandments that um, we follow are just kind of the basic rules. There's other things, of course, too, but those are like the main things that we should be following always. And people still um, mess up on that sometimes. And we're only human. We're never going to be perfect. But we kind of need to try to um, be better. You know, we should always be trying to follow those and, um, you know, be as close to God as we can. And um, it's important to, like, note that when a person goes to hell, um, it's it's based on their choices that they've made, you know? It's not that, um, it's not like God, this, like, loving God would send someone to hell. It's not like that. It's like, um, instead, it's more of a person on earth, what they choose um, will determine where they go. So if you are a good, faithful person and you, um, are strong in your faith, or if you, if you're just an overall good person and you follow the commandments and, um, you live your life, you know, through God, 
then chances are you will go to heaven. But if you um, are like a hateful person, if you kill, if you, you know, just break all these rules, then I mean, I can't say for sure. I mean, no one knows, but those are the kinds of things that you need to be aware of that could potentially send, potentially send you to hell. And um, it's really scary because no one knows exactly like how strict God is in general. I mean, he is a loving and merciful God, definitely, but he's also just. So he's not going to say, um, well, this murderer can come right into heaven. No, you know, he's going to be very, um, very just. He's going to make sure that um, you, your, uh, how do I put this? Your eternity is based on, you know, your actions. So, um, and I've thought about that myself a lot. Um, and we need to remember that if you, when you willingly turn away from God or commit any sin, you're taking a step. And for every step, you need to know that that's counted. God sees all the good that you do, but he also sees all the bad. So, um, I mean, we all, like I always say, we're all sinners. We're never going to be perfect, but we should always be trying to be. We should always be trying to be the best people we can. Um, and I, I said that I wonder this a lot. I wonder about God, you know, sometimes I'm like, if this God, God is so loving, um, how does he send people to hell? That doesn't make sense to me. But um, I've done some research and I've had really great discussions and um, it kind of makes more sense now. You know, we need to be the strongest and the like we should always be striving to be the best people we can be um so that we should get to heaven and as a catholic my goal is to get as many people around me to heaven as possible so um that doesn't mean just my friends and just my family you know it means everyone um i would hope that um all catholics are trying to do the same thing you know we're all trying to get everyone to heaven that's our goal and again, um, you choose hell with your own actions. We need to remember that God is loving and kind and wants us to be with him in heaven, but he's also just. So we really don't know if he, he's not going to let everything slide, obviously, but we don't know exactly how much it's going to be. And you will never enter heaven unless, I think it's that like your soul is completely perfect, you know, like you're wiped clean of sin, which is kind of what purgatory is for. So I'll probably get into that next week. Um... So, and I kind of like to think of it like this. It's not, it's not said anywhere. So, um, don't like start looking this up, but, um, I almost like to think of it as, well, first of all, as humans, of course, we know that death can happen at any time and it's just, it's kind of scary, but, um, it's just kind of like a known fact, you know, you could die at any moment of any day. But when I kind of think about like heaven or hell or whatever, or purgatory or death in general, um, I kind of like to think of it as like a baby. When a baby's in the womb, they're like so close to our life, you know? They are, what, like an inch or two away of um, all this, you know, all our world, but they have no idea yet of what it's like or, and they're still growing, they're still um, developing, but they don't exactly know, you know, what is, what's out here, you know? It's probably scary, not that they can tell yet, I don't know, but, um, just kind of like that, you know, you're so close, but you still have no idea, and I like to think of that, like, when we're here on earth, we might be, we're so close to death all the time, I'm sure, you know, like, there's always chances every single day that, you know, could unfortunately end your life, but at the same time, you know, it could, it's just such like a close thing, and we have no idea what it holds, you know, um, we don't know exactly, um, 
what God's going to look like or what heaven's going to look like or what hell's going to be like. We only know, you know, what the Bible tells us um, and things like that. So um, if you're wondering, like, what does the catechism say about hell? Um, I'm just going to read really quickly. And I have my book right here. Um, it just, I don't really know how to quote this, honestly. It's on page 117 of the catechism. Um, and it says, it's just like in brief, I don't know how to cite this, guys, but <laughs> I'm just going to read it. It says, God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. It was through the devil's envy that death entered the world. So that is from the book of Wisdom, chapter 1, verse 13, and chapter 2, verse 24. Um, so now I'm just going to continue. Satan or the devil and the other demons are fallen angels who have freely refused to serve God and his plan. Their choice against God is definitive. They try to associate man in their revolt against God. So that's, I mean, that's true. Satan is technically was originally an angel of God that turned against him, which is really sad, but that was a like definite thing that decision that he made. And um, that's kind of where the leader of hell came from. And um, every single day there's a battle going on for your soul between angels and God and heaven and the devil and, um, you know, his army, you know, where there's a constant, we can never see it, but it's constant. Um, so this is just one more thing. Although set by God in a state of rectitude, man, ooh, whoops, oh yeah, I got that right, enticed by the evil one, abused his freedom at the very start of history. He lifted himself up against God and sought to attain his goal apart from him. Uh, I don't really know what that is. I think it's Genesis 13, 1. So, and then by his sin, Adam, as the first man, lost the original holiness and justice he had received from God, not only for himself, but for all human beings. So I'm just going to stop there for now, um, I think. I might end with this last quote, but... Um, that's just a real quick important thing to note is that um the story of adam and eve in the creation accounts is kind of like the birth of original sin um which we are all born with we all have like the tendency to sin we all have like um you know i don't know desires i guess for unfortunately bad things um selfish things that we need to work on you know it's we're always working towards um becoming better people so that's just what I'm going to end with today. Um, I know I messed up reading a few times, which I'm sorry, but, um, hopefully that helped a little bit. I want to, um, I just want to read one last quick thing at the end of this page because I think it looks kind of good. It says, the victory that Christ won over sin has given us greater blessings than those which sin had taken from us. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that's Romans chapter 5 verse 20. So that's kind of beautiful, you know, it's, it's, even though there's a constant battle, Jesus and God and Christ have already won, you know, there's, um, there's no really way that the devil can win because God is all powerful and, um, the creator of everything. So, um, that's kind of just a better kind of point to leave off on is that, um, God created you in his image and he loves you and he's always there for you and he always wants the best for us. So, um, that's just gonna wrap up for today. So thank you guys for listening. Have a great week and I hope this helped set your faith on fire.